Hello and welcome to a joint Sip and Sass Q&A in conjunction with Forbes Listers and Matty Hollywoods. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Adam Bromley, partner and head of property at Forbes Solicitors, and I'm joined today by Kerry Halton, business development manager for the Sip and Sass department, Matty Hollywoods in Preston. Today, Kerry and I are going to discuss some key topics that have specifically affected the Sip and Sass sector as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. So Kerry, thank you for joining me today. Uh, can I kick things off by asking you to give us some details on how COVID-19 has impacted on Matty Hollywoods and its clients? Of course, Adam. Um, I have to say, Matty Hollywoods have been absolutely brilliant. Um, we were actually practicing working from home in separate teams before lockdown occurred. So it was all pretty seamless, really. Uh, we've had a lot of compliments from clients at the fact that they've been able to get hold of us really easily, uh, as opposed to some of the larger organisations, which do seem to have been caught out a little. Um, so we're more or less all working from home and it's very much business as usual. We've managed to write new business cases, our clients can get hold of us. Um, we do have sort of four or five people going in the office every day to clear the post and where it's still necessary for web signatures. So operationally, everything's running pretty, pretty smoothly, to be honest. I guess... However, you know, we've got a lot of worried clients. Uh, they're concerned about the value of the pension fund dropping with the investment markets and also with the complications around um, the property that they own and whether or not their tenants are going to be able to pay the rent. Yeah, um, I would definitely echo some of those comments, Kerry. Um, similar issues from our side of things, mobilising quickly, getting people working from home, which again would echo your comments. We, we were very quick to do that and got something like 80-90% of our workforce working from home within a week or so and that was really important to deliver that seamless service to our clients and again we've got key workers on the ground which I think is indicative of property departments making sure that we are still having to deal with hard copy documents um, and as we say wet, wet signatures and um, I think the biggest challenge we've had um, is that electronic signatures has been of a concern and the land registry um, has recently updated its practice guides allowing electronic signatures to a certain degree um, but it's still essential to have wet signatures on documents for anything that requires a registration um, and witnessing must still take place in the physical presence of the party signing the deed. So not possible to do it via video calls. So whilst we're trying to move forward with the technology, we, we need to adhere to those rules. And I'm not going to go into major detail talking about that today, um, as it is something we've got um, a live and SAS event that we're running next week which will go into some more details on some of those topics and I'll talk about that more at the end of this session but um, yeah I would say that we're seeing very similar things and um, reacting in similar ways and um, one of the things that we're obviously working very closely with is people with leases um, I was just really interested to ask you specifically um, have you seen any impacts surrounding lease renewals or anything connected to leases as a result of the pandemic? Absolutely, Adam. And you know, we do we do have to apply a bit of common sense. Um, I mean, depending on the industry you're operating in, you know, people will be very reluctant to sign up to new leases with the future so uncertain. 
Um, I, so we're, we're actually having to stay in a held over position in the short term for, for some clients. I mean, others are doing really well out of the pandemic, you know, internet suppliers, somebody selling fridges and freezers, those in the cycling world seem to be doing very well. But certain industries obviously are really worried about when they actively can go back, particularly uh, leisure and hospitality. So I think we're going to have to be realistic. Um, one of the other problems for us, of course, as well, is connected tenants. And the fact that we need to make sure the rent is at an open market rate. And we've had a few challenges around valuations, um, which I'm sure we'll pick up on later. Yeah, um, I've seen, seen similar. I've seen some of the market commentary now. Um, I think with leases, as we start coming out of this now, this has obviously changed, changed the world in a number of ways. Um, le leases often follow um, economic cycles and you see different terms. Of leases and, and different um, deals being struck. I think we'll start to see now um, tenants looking for shorter term leases, looking for flexible leases, um, flexible break rights. And as you mentioned, that, that's the sort of thing that really kicks into valuations. So, um, and I think we're seeing a lot of people um, reluctant to, to commit to new leases. So I know it's um, an issue that's um, quite prevalent, especially with connected parties where leases can be held over. Um, and, and I would just encourage people to make sure they don't really leave leases in that position. Um, tenants are able to serve three months notice in that position. And as I say, right now, whilst I understand tenants will be a little bit uncertain and not wanting to commit, I think landlords need to be pushing that point and, and trying to get the tenants to sign up. But as I say, be mindful that I think tenants will be starting to look for shorter terms or early break rights just to see what happens in, in the short term um, and yeah I think that as well as that and we mentioned about rents there's obviously been a bit of a trend um, at the moment for there to be um, agreements on rental concessions deferments holidays mm -hmm. um, what's been the approach from Matioli Woods in relation to those sorts of requests? That's swamped yeah. <laughs> in one word I mean this has been an absolutely huge area for all uh, people in the second SaaS market uh, and kind of a role I've taken on at Preston which uh, has taken up quite a significant amount of time. Um, we've tried to follow the AMPS lead really, the Association of Member Pension Schemes and tried to take a softer approach really to, to, to that that we would normally take to take pressure off other professionals such as auditors and chartered surveyors and to try and keep the costs down. So we, we do need to probe but for both connected and non-connected tenants and we do need to make sure it's a genuine position so we are generally going to the fd of the company and trying to get some basic background as to you know uh, what industry are they in what what are they actually uh, you know what what problems are, are they facing what grants have they got from government are the staff furloughed and really a key point is what else are they doing financially to protect the business? You know, we hope it's not just the rents that they are taking other action. So um, at the moment, however, we are only looking at rent deferments. We've had very few write-offs. Our thoughts are, you know, if we defer for three, six months, we might be in a better position to try and organise a repayment plan or to try and get a better handle on, on, on the financial state of that business. I, I, is that kind of what you're seeing as well, Adam? 
Yeah, it definitely is the same sort of thing. It was, it was kind of a, it was quite immediate really. It was it's a strange one because there isn't any obligation on a landlord or to agree any form of rent concession and the and the legislation that's been very quickly passed in, in the current pandemic and the Coronavirus Act 2020, which we'll look back on fondly, no doubt. But um, that was passed very quickly and there's nothing that came out of there that said anybody had to. So I was quite surprised at first how quickly people moved towards agreeing those concessions but that was quite um, encouraging really because I, it is important for landlords and tenants to maintain the relationships um, and I think a lot of people have said that people will look back on how people have acted during this time and it, and it will set the tone moving forward so um, it, it's been nice to see people doing that and, and looking at ways of how they can get a mutual benefit in relation to balancing the tenants um, problems with the trading and um, as against the landlord's desire to, to have the rent paid and so that's been good to see um, well, one thing I would say that um, we're encouraging and we've seen people a bit more mindful of is making sure that any concession that is agreed whatever that may be is is formally documented that that's important not just in, in the sip and sass world of, of making sure that there's a paper trail but just for anybody um, as with anything if it's not in writing it, uncertain it leads to litigation um, and whilst it might be very easy to just say you don't need to pay your rent for three months or six months it, it's the detail around that then well when do I pay it how do I pay it is there interest are the costs what if I want a further extension what, what if I want to end that arrangement so there's lots of other factors that can be very easily dealt with um, by way of a side letter um, or if it's a bit more complicated a formal deed of variation um, but it's just important to make sure any agreement is, is documented in writing but um, as I say I've just been strongly advising people to do that and the final point I, I agree with you Kerry I'd say that it's been more deferment than holidays I've, I've seen the odd um, agreement for an actual full-on rent holiday either tenants who are maybe charities and people have taken a softer approach yeah. um, or, or if there are maybe connections um, in, in sip and sass matters or other reasons I think one thing I've seen with rent holidays is, is encouraging people to look at maybe using that to tie into a new lease so saying well yeah get to a new lease now and maybe the rent holiday can then kick in at that time but then you've got the benefit from a landlord's point of view of, of having the future lease kicking in. So I think, as I say, people are being sensible at the moment. It'll be interesting to see now as we're coming out of this initial three month or so period and the next kind of quarter date payments coming up, what, what kind of few people take. I mean, to be honest, Adam, the clients that are talking to us and the tenants that are talking to us are, of course, the best. Yeah. <laughs> Time will tell as to whether, you know, furthermore don't don't pay the rent and one of the problems we've had is you're absolutely right you know our clients are very nice people and they've been very obliging at, particularly at the start of covid so we, we do need to make sure that, that everything's documented commercial etc etc and obviously mindful of the legislation i mean we've got the um corporate insolvency uh and government bill haven't we looming yeah. which yeah. could put even further restrictions on landlords what, what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean i was going to say we've got a few things coming up we've got with the guidance as you say it's been quite relaxed so far in relation to hmrc and, and allowing people to take these views and um, i think they've intimated that they're going to give some new guidance in their june newsletter so 
um, we're waiting that with bated breath to see what comes. As you say, we've got the we've got the um, government insolvency bill coming um, at, at the moment um, from a strict legal position. Um, it's important to refer again to the Coronavirus Act 2020, and that imposed the moratorium, um, which prevents landlords um, from being able to forfeit leases. And that period from the 26th of March to the 30th of June. So that's coming up now. Um, it could be extended. And I think the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Bill be interested to see how those two pieces of legislation link together. Um, looking at it at the moment and what's been drafted, if it's passed as it's been drafted, then it's not going to impact on that and um, people still won't be able to forfeit leases. So it's going to be interesting to see what does happen as a result of that. And then obviously there are other rights and remedies available to landlords outside of forfeiture, but it's just going to be very interesting to see what happens and then what happens in relation to tenants and whether they do go bust. Um, I think at the moment, any extension or the moratorium at the moment is delaying the inevitable. So it's funny timing with the quarter date, 24th of June coming up and, and the current extension to the 30th of June. So if that kicks in, looking at how people take action under that, but if the insolvency bill kicks in and, and prevents things, I mean, at the moment, a lot of that's around wrongful trading and, and that side of things. And I know we could talk for a long time about that topic here today and we're just touching on it briefly, but at the moment, as I said, the moratorium's in place. How that links together with protecting tenants from insolvency will be interesting. Um, I think the key message at the moment really is that as we stand, the suspension is in place to the end of this month. Yeah. It could be extended, but whatever happens, arrears are accruing. Um, they are owing. Um, they do need to be collected at some point. So again, linking back to what we've just said, if any agreements are reached in relation to holidays and deferments, it's just documenting it all and, and I think people just talking to each other and, and communicating really. Yeah. Um I, I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on on that point, Kerry, before we move on. Not really. I think I think you've covered most things there. You know, so some of our tenants have tried to use it against the landlord in terms of the legislation. Uh but but a lot of our tenant a lot of our landlords, sorry, aren't aware of it. So um, you know, obviously a bit of a lighter touch until post June and then we'll we'll need to see where we are. Uh, but we have made it clear that, that these deferrals, the rents are still accruing. And most actually, you know, are keen to actually return to a norm and some mm. form of repayment plan. And, and hopefully with a few businesses opening now, et cetera, et cetera, maybe, maybe the picture won't look quite as bleak and, and we'll start to see some positive messages. Yeah, it's got to be the hope. Yeah. So, so we'll move on from um, talks of enforcement action and... Um, yeah. We'll talk about something that might, uh, that I know is a topic close to your heart. I know you're very, um, you would like to promote the use of sasses. And I just wondered um, what the pop, what you thought about the popularity of sasses coming out of this, and, and in particular SAS loans, and, and has there been any impact in relation to those and, and the loan repayment at the moment? Well, I suppose it's been a bit like the FTSE kind of 100, uh, you know, peaks and troughs. So those with existing loans are a little bit like the rent, you know, they might actually be deferring uh, in the short term until till they get through COVID because I think every accountant at the beginning of this was were, were telling the companies to hang on to cash as much as they could. So um, the existing loans, yeah, they need to be reviewed, but in the main, they're, 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 all, they're all running quite smoothly. 
we've had a number of inquiries about new loans yeah. you know businesses trying to just get ready for when they go back and, and the effects it might have had on them um, and obviously there's a process to go through but SAS is a great great vehicle for that because it's felt that again a bit like the crash of you know 2008 that that the banks might not be as generous so it's an alternative um and also refinancing on a similar similar subject you know um effectively um you know if if, if an individual's got a pension pot in equities they can swap it over to um buying the property from the company which is obviously putting put putting the asset in the pension fund but the cash in the company if that becomes an issue so SASIs are a great extra tool to refinancing really uh, and any advisors accountants you should be looking at that if it's appropriate yeah i agree it is often something that's overlooked isn't it and not as doesn't seem to be as popular and well known as as a sip option but but it is and as you say if people are speaking their advisors properly and speaking to people like yourselves then that'll be brought up and i would just add again it's the same thing from a legal point of view it's just get everything documented properly as i say with the um with sasses there has to be that paper trail um and it's just thinking about getting the proper loans in place documenting that agreement making it commercial and, and then thinking carefully um, about what sort of security it is given for, for the loan as well and making sure that that ticks all the regulatory boxes but it's a fairly straightforward um procedure to be able to put in place as long as it's done properly as anything and it is something that's well worth considering and might just be something that isn't fully on people's radars at the moment so hopefully we can get that message out there yeah that's great and um i think just one final point i'd like to kind of discuss is um something that you alluded to a little bit earlier about rent valuations um important obviously in the sip and sas sector um what's been your approach what have you seen in relation to rent reviews and it's been a real challenge for us adam because as you know there are various points at which hmrc you know insists that we get valuations it's not just for the rent reviews it's for purchases it's for loan backs it, particularly if somebody wants to draw benefits and right at the beginning of covid it was really really difficult and I think the Fritz and Ricks uh, kind of uh, guidance has eased a little now and they can go to certain buildings to value them. They can do desktop values from, you know, particularly if they've seen the property before. But a lot of them are coming through with the uh, material uncertainty clause. Yeah. So we're trying to work out how critical a, a tweak on that valuation would be. Um, if it's not critical, then, then we're accepting it if it could lead to an unauthorized payment then we may apply a discount um, and, and tidy up afterwards but hopefully things are going in the right direction there because we were completely you know stuck for a while and having to find ways ways around it because there hasn't been any guidance from hmrc um, because obviously things were moving so quickly and so many other things happening but yeah been a little bit of a challenge but we'll get there yeah, I suppose, as you say, we're now at the stage where we're three months or so in near enough and um, at least surveyors and valuers can start getting out a bit more and putting that in place. It'll be, yeah, it's an interesting time. I haven't seen any major impact yet just because it's so uncertain, but lots of speculation in the market um, as to what will happen with rents. And I think as things settle down a bit more, and as I've already said, and we start looking at maybe shorter leases, flexible leases, yeah. Um, turnover link rent seems to be something a lot of people are thinking will be will be um, become more popular 
um, thoughts of how shared office space will work, thinking about square footage valuations if you've got half the amount of people but taking up the same square footage. So that's an interesting one yep. that has been that has been floated about. So how I don't envy valuers at the moment as to how they're going to come through this. So I guess it's waiting for the guidance. But once the guidance is issued, then as you say, as long as that's followed, then from a point of view of anything being done that may cause a tax charge, then there shouldn't be any issues as long as that guidance is followed. It's just what it will be and what the impact will be. But I think it'll just be a change rather than anything that will dramatically affect rental values. Um, so, as I say, I, want, I think we're both trying to keep this positive and, and I do genuinely think it will be positive and a positive outcome. It'll just be different, but I think, if anything, we've shown that we're already, we can change when we have to. So, so, as I say, it'll just be a change rather than a problem, I think. Life can get a bit too easy, Adam. Maybe we've, exactly. we've got it easy for a bit too long. <laughs> Needed a shake-up. <laughs> well, that was everything that I wanted to kind of talk about, Terry. Is there anything else? You want no, uh, I think we've covered most things. Yeah, uh, that you know the key points. Uh, I think the most important thing for us is just being, uh, as it is for you, is just being able to talk to your clients and then be able to get a hold of you. A uh, bit of reassurance during such uncertain times, really. No, that's great. So yeah, well, thank you, Kerry. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very Welcome. much for speaking with me today. A very insightful chat um, on the key issues affecting SIP and SAS sector. Um, as I've mentioned, for anyone that is particularly involved or interested in this sector, then um, myself and my colleague, Mahasan Mahmood, are delivering a SIP and SAS COVID-19 live event on the 10th of June. Um, so we'll touch on some of these topics and some more specific topics in that, in what is a very uncertain time of change in the sector. Um, my details will come up on the screen shortly, so if anyone's got any further questions arising, in this session or wants to sign up to our mailing list or receive the invite to the live event then pick up the phone email or contact me on linkedin um, and thanks again to kerry and thanks for watching